When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In sports, if you want to be the best, there are no off days. After weighing my options this past week, uh, a lot of very intriguing podcasts came out to pursue me, Chris. But uh, I'm going to buck the trend. I'm not going to be hitting the podcast transfer portal. I'm going to actually stay put here. I believe there's a bright future here for the Nod Pod. And, um, you know, though I'd like to see a little bit more NIL money. I'd like to see that coming. I thought you and I were in lockstep on this. I had my announcement ready. After much prayerful thought and consideration, talking with my family, I do want to thank you and Brian King and the entire staff of the Nod Pod for all the opportunities you've given me over the past 12 episodes. All right, let's bring in Mark Wilson. (laughs) I'm proud of everything we've achieved together, but yes, I will be hitting the transfer portal. Okay, well, your options are going to be slim, so uh, sorry for that reality check. Welcome on in to the No Off Days podcast, the Nod Pod for short. Uh, we got a great show to get to today, and we will be bouncing around quite a bit. A lot of sports to get to in this week's program, Um, but try to stay with us. Let's bring in Brian King in the uh, control room and uh, BK give us a little peek as to what we have on the show today. pretty good show today we got a uh, Fred McGriff just oh. duck yes just uh, a Fred McGriff or the Fred well, the only crime the, dog the crime dog yeah. exactly. just uh, elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame long overdue long yes. overdue but I'm glad he's in there so we'll talk to him that's gonna be interesting and then we'll also catch up with Florida basketball coach Todd Golden the Gators are coming to Tampa in a couple, uh, next week to play a game, so we'll find out about the new uh, Gators basketball coach. What are your yeah. thoughts on Chris entering the transfer portal? Are yeah. you were you shocked? Conflicted? It was a little shocking, okay. but you know these days you got to be prepared for those type things. I yeah. kind of saw it. You know? I saw it coming a couple of shows ago. Actually. Yeah. Well, I wasn't getting the playing time that I deserved. <laughs> yeah. you, you kept hogging most of the segments. So do you want to win or do you want to play? That's the question. <laughs> I want nil money. That's yeah. what I want. Well, that's now the, I want to be clear though. Once you're in the portal, you you can come back to your team, right? You're not going to take, take my scholarship away from me. But no, that's assuming that, yeah, we want you <laughs> yeah, back. Right. Yeah. I, I was nudged. I was, it was suggested to me that I go into the portal <laughs> by, by the managers of this TV station. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I am. Okay. Well, all right. I don't know how to take that. All right. End of the show. Uh, I know we always have some fun stuff planned at the Huge end. Huge upset this weekend that you guys may have missed. Really? In the sports world. Yeah. Was that uh, was it the, the TCU loss? It was Kansas State. It wasn't K-State, but it was one that kind of flew under the radar. So I'll give you a little uh, insight into what that was. Oh, Mm. boy. I'm intrigued now. I have no idea what that could be. Yes. There was only a few upsets that I can recall. Maybe it's World Cup. It could be. Maybe we're back into the uh, world. Did did, uh, Argentina lose to someone else again? Uh, No, but that is one of the biggest upsets in the World Cup. It was okay. big. Right. Sounds like you, that was not it. But that was not it, no. <laughs> this okay. is why I'm in the portal. We, it's a mystery as to <laughs> what is. we're going to talk well, about at you the know, end of the hey, show. Hey, look, nobody lays out a tease better than Brian because it's always shrouded. It's so vague. It's so smoky. You're just trying to <laughs> see through. But uh, all right, yeah. very good. We are we are looking forward to it. BK will check in in just a bit. Uh, if you are listening and you want to watch, go to fox13news.com slash nodpod. If you're watching, you want to listen or subscribe to this here program, point the camera of your smartphone right now at the QR code on the screen, bottom right-hand corner. It'll take you to the portal of Nod, and uh, you can click listen. And once you do, uh, we know that, that given our facilities, our great staff, whether Chris is here or not, that should not uh, impact your decision at all. Our recruitment process is second to none, and I think we will won you over. No transferring away like Chris once you do. You just told our listeners slash viewers to enter a portal. Do you realize that? That you you want them to well, go I'm into trying the portal to trans- too? <laughs> I want them to transfer in. Oh, this okay. is a recruit. This right. is a recruitment, Chris. Right. That's, yeah, of course. That's why we have a QR code. <laughs> I'm going to zap your QR code in, in just a minute. All right. So uh, obviously, this last week, you know, college coaching uh, carousels start to settle down, and the biggest is uh, out in Boulder, Colorado, with Deion Sanders uh, landing that job, and not necessarily biggest in terms of impact in college football, but biggest in terms of notoriety. He was the name that everybody wanted to know where would he land, and he ends, he lands with the Buffaloes. But, you know, it comes with a lot of fanfare, as is the case in anything that Coach Prime does. 
But one of the things when he comes out and he and he meets his new team and he delivers his his thoughts, which sounded more like a a sermon or something, you know, it's that, like that's it's, how he talks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm coming. Yeah. I'm coming. Um, which was part threat and part encouragement, I think, yeah. to these players to try to you know get them ready to go next season. Uh, but he he announces that uh, hey, you're looking at your new starting quarterback, referring to his son, Shadur Sanders. Yeah. So right. yeah, his son. So you know he's coming with him. That's not a mystery. Everybody knew that was going to happen, Chris. But um, I got to think if you're sitting in that room, if you're a quarterback on that roster like what what are you what are the thoughts going through your mind when he talks about yeah i'm bringing guys in and they're coming for your job is well, that fire I, I you think, up Does i that think it depends on the person right so either if it's a hyper competitive qb who says all right bring it on and, and maybe i'll win the backup job which is still pretty good you know Dion Sun goes competitive. Down. I'm going to win that backup well, job. Well, you know, it's better than nothing. Well, I, no, right? I, got, I want to win the starting job. I'm gonna okay, prove. so you're going to stay and compete for it. That's yeah. great. Now, the other guy in the room might say, he's already picked his quarterback. I'm going to hit the portal. Yeah. I'm going to go elsewhere. Go to the College of the Mines. I do think listening to his introductory speech to his team a couple of times, the first time I was like, whoa, like this is harsh. Like he's telling them, I'm here and I brought my own luggage and it's Louis. Louis being, you know, his classy his better class of players that he's bringing over from yeah. Jackson State including his son and you know if you guys this is your chance to get into the portal and, and get your act together but I do think listening to it the second time he really was it was kind of old school right he was challenging them yeah. and saying you know this is the way it's going to be now we're here we're going to compete now the funny thing is the day before he told his former players at Jackson State do not enter the portal because when you go into the portal there's no guarantee you'll come out so here he is, though, telling his new team, hey, it might be in your best interest to go ahead and get in that portal. And, and you can see a little peek behind the curtain there, the psychological advantage that, that Deion Sanders brings. Not only did he bring that as a player, but the swagger as a coach. You know, they're, they're, they're in lockstep. And I think if I'm a, if I'm a fan of Colorado football, man, I, I love that. Not, not because, you know, like we're coming off a disappointing season. We used to have, you know, a, a great, you know, program. Oh, they used to be part of the, you know, one of the elites yeah. in college football. And now you have a guy that sees that, understands how wide that chasm is, and and it's really going to yeah. take, you know, a focus and a challenge that he issued. So, but with that, we get into the transfer portal, and Sanders is one that we knew was going to happen because he's, of course, the son of the coach. But, uh, I mean, I, I, have you kept track of the, the transfer portal ticker? Do you I know tried. what number we're at? It's right almost now? impossible because it's, it's that number's going up daily. But as of this taping, there were just shy of a thousand, a thousand Good, players right. in the portal, and yeah. that number is expected to go well beyond 1,000. Because, okay, so now December 5th is the most important day in the college football calendar. That's when the transfer yeah. portal opens. Yeah. That's how these coaches are going to fill their rosters or try to protect their roster and, and re-recruit players to stay on their squad. So there's a 45-day window from December 5th to January 18th, and it's going to be nuts. And that, that number is going to, as bowl games are completed and teams have played in their final bowl game, you're going to see more players hit that portal. So it's, it's amazing what's going on now. And out of last year's, uh, there were about – a thousand last year in the cycle that entered the transfer portal you know how many of them found new schools how many 30 percent that's not good no so either and j again just where are they transferring to well footlocker <laughs> i mean what are, what are well that's the thing here and that's what the ncaa has to figure out right which is a toothless entity when it comes to this transfer portal they have um they have some rules and some guidelines in place, but but no one's enforcing it, yeah. right? And so would you have 70% in last year's cycle didn't find new schools. You assume some of them did stay with their school they were with yeah. before they – but there are a lot of them that found themselves without a scholarship and floundering. You know, and if you look at uh, – let's take Colorado with Dion, some of these guys – you didn't go to Colorado with the expectation of you're going to play in the NFL, probably. Now, you're, you know, bigger programs. Yeah, I'd say, you know, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, probably 90% of those guys think they're going to play in the NFL. I don't think a lot of the players coming to Colorado think that they're bound for the league. So they're looking to actually use their scholarship to gain an education and a degree and further themselves in a career. Now, you go into the portal, 70% of you aren't going to find a new school and you don't have your scholarship. It seems like 
the, in, the whole institution's kind of lost sight, and I know that the term student athlete was bastardized a long time ago, but it seems it, like they've really lost sight of taking care of the student in this. Well, uh, among the big names that are hitting the portal, uh, so DJ Uyunglele, the quarterback of Clemson, and, and these are just the quarterbacks that I kind of looked up, uh, Devin Leary, NC State, Keaton Slovis, Pitt, off to his now, what, third school, mm-hmm. uh, Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma State. So you have big-time quarterbacks. I love I love the free agency aspect of this in college football. I mean, in an ideal setting, it's, it's back what it used to be, and – you know, a guy commits to a school, he stays at that school. But the problem is the entire landscape of college football has changed because um, coaches, they don't last. Either they're leaving the first time they have an opportunity to go to a bigger program or they get fired because they have unmet expectation. Uh, or, you know, the, the school itself is like moving conferences and, and changing all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So nobody else is holding those parties accountable. But yet they they have the control of the players to be able to control where they go. And so I think that this is a key component in terms of giving the power back to the student athlete. Um, But I think in conjunction with NIL, I think this sets up what can be kind of just gives me like an unsettled kind of a dirty feeling a little bit. Right. I mean, if you're able to like say, hey, you know, Caleb Williams. Why don't you come out here and play, uh, you know, for Florida State? And, yeah. uh, you know, our boosters have uh, about $10 bucks. Yeah. And, I mean, and, and things like that are happening. I mean, you know. Right. I mean, like Drake May over at NC State. I mean, isn't there, hasn't there been an offer issued for him? Like He's, a, a price tag? There are reports of, yeah, a salary that's much nicer than anything, you know, that most people can make right now uh, for his services. Uh, who was the quarterback? Um I'm drawing a blank here. Yeah, there was another one who who has said that there's an offer on the table for him to go play for a major college program, and that's where the tampering comes in. Like, you're not supposed to tamper. You're not supposed to use the NIL collective money to lure players, but, you know, still conversations are had between uh, in third parties. Like, a player yeah. makes it known to a coach, hey, I'm available if you can get, you know, the right setup for me. And that's where it gets really dicey with some of this. Well, you know, scholarships are not guaranteed from one year to the next. And uh, so any one of these players can lose their scholarship, um, you know, based on what the coach decides is best. And so, you know, this is, I don't, again, I, I like the, the ability for players to go. It means that your recruitment doesn't stop once you sign your letter of intent. The recruitment continues. Oh, and they love that. They get that ego stroked another round of being told how wonderful they are, and yeah. Well, I mean, but at the same time, you have big programs, you know, like in Alabama, that, you know, runs, you know, about three deep with guys that could potentially have futures in the NFL, and you get buried in the depth chart. You You don't get seen. You don't get an opportunity to play. Now, Wisdom would say, well, take that into consideration before signing your letter of intent. Right. How much playing time you think you're going to get and what that roster looks like of the team you're going to. Uh, But I I think it's like, well, you know, there's always guys that rise up and, and, you know, get an opportunity that you weren't expecting. And it it kind of blocks your way to to starting lineup to start. So, you know, again, I'm, I'm okay with Transfer Portal. Yeah. I don't like NIL. And, and that's also not saying that I don't think college athletes should be getting compensated. But you don't, do, you don't do like the – I would like like a salary cap. Some type of way, you know, how like drafted players mm-hmm. are slotted. Uh, you know, these aren't like open neg- negotiations for there's, – there's a range of how much money you could potentially make. Yeah. I, I think the best way to tie NIL money is to the production on the marketing side of things. Is this player's likeness being sold in the team bookstore for jerseys? Is there, you know, is in video games that type of stuff? It, it then it correlates exactly to their popularity as a player, yeah. rather than what boosters just decide they want to cough up. Yeah, it's uh, the wild west though, and the boosters are coughing it up out there. All right, so um, one of the things, if you watch college football, that you see at, at every halftime is the, the Dr. Pepper competition. In the big championship games. Yes. Yeah. So typically, uh, you know, you, you don't really pay attention to it. I it's, do. It's not the most exciting no. competition. Okay. There are, right. ve- there are Vegas odds on which of these college well, students I'm, is going and to I'm sure they, toss uh, the more, most footballs through the if giant If anybody cash. would know that, it would certainly be you. So, uh, you know, they're throwing footballs inside the, the big giant Pepsi bottle or a Dr. Pepper bottle, and uh, whoever gets the most in 
gets a you know a, basically a scholarship. Pretty they get nice. tuition paid for the one hundred thousand dollars. One hundred thousand bucks. So what happened this last week is you had you know two ladies competing against one another, and it's tied after the first one. Okay, so what do we do now? Well, we we have just enough time to do an overtime. They have a tiebreaker. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of leagues. You know, you know, college football, NFL, they have their overtime rules, and it. You know, there's people that don't like certain overtime rules and thinks some ways are better. Dr. Pepper clearly needs to work on what their overtime rules are because there's no answer after that overtime period because it's still tied after the first overtime period and they're running out of time. Like the players, yeah, they, they're going to come out on the, the field. marching bands are coming off back onto the field. Yeah, so they have to have a tiebreaker, but. What was Dr. Pepper's tiebreaker? It was, well, oh. Well, they, they, they determined based on, like, I guess they do, like, a qualifying for right. the competition itself. Whoever had thrown more. But but it seemed rather subjective. And so they awarded it to one of the ladies. And uh, and then there was just outcry. Social, social media, social media gets involved. And they're saying, no, 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 no. This ain't right. Justice for Kayla, I believe, justice, was trending. Yeah. Justice for Kayla. Yeah. So what did what did Dr. Pepper end up doing? Kayla ended up getting 100 grand, too. Both Dr. Pepper said, wow, we are in a pickle here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're in it, a fix. So well, Dr. Pepper is the big winner here. Because well. the longer we're talking about Dr. Pepper, and we've already said it about 18 times, uh, <laughs> after that moment... That, that's that's what they're paying for, right? Well, why don't they just come up with a better tiebreaker? They do There's got to be something better than let's go to who threw the most footballs in the can in the qualifying round. Well, I know that you wouldn't have suggested that if you didn't have some ideas. So what are your ideas for a better well, tiebreaker for well, the Dr. Pepper competition? I think, first of all, you could have them, uh, the contestants turn face each other and throw the balls at each other make it like a one-on-one dodgeball like uh american gladiator yeah like, just first person gets pegged with a football okay. out you no scholarship money for you i mean what about just like moving them back a further distance wouldn't yeah. that be that that would make a whole lot of sense well that requires to how about banning the uh, you know most of them do this uh two-handed chest pass now yeah. into the into the can how about okay one round 10 seconds if you actually have to throw the football mm, at mm, the target. Okay, I like that. Uh, what about after you throw your last pass, the first person to tackle the Dr. Pepper bottle wins? <laughs> you got to bring it down, like full-on form tackle. That could be entertaining. Yeah. What about uh, Dr. Pepper? Uh, so what is their slogan? There's 23 flavors in Dr. Pepper, right? 23 three different notes of that's different they, things you can get. That's what they say. So if you, whichever student can name the most of those 23 flavors in 23 seconds gets the scholarship. If there's a tie after that, they have to, one of the flavors is licorice, so it becomes who can eat the most licorice in 23 oh, seconds. Oh, that's good. Why, why don't we just have them jug, a, you know, chug a two-liter jug of Dr. Pepper, and then the longest belch... <laughs> wins i think that that's the one that, that should go to. That in fact yeah. forget the football throwing from the beginning let's just have the <laughs> what, dr pepper what are we doing scholarship chug off exactly. belching competition <laughs> yeah i love Boy. it all right i um, think we solved that problem I, well good i'm you know dr pepper is going to start sending us some nil money now uh, so monday night football we had the bucks uh taking down the saints and it was uh it was an incredible another chapter in tom brady's excellence uh, leading the team down there and uh, winning it in the last couple of minutes. And really, you know, there was not much to speak of of this game for, you know, the first 55 minutes of actual game time. It was no, the last five was minutes ugly. where all the action yeah. was. Up until then, it had been about the kind of the guest of honor that was inside Raymond James Stadium. And that would be the most highly pursued man here in the offseason of baseball, and that would be Aaron Judge. I wondered where you were going with that. Yeah, and, uh, and he was there, and, and I, you know, I, I was thinking, is he a guest of the Rays? Uh, and then that thought crossed your mind for about 2.2 seconds. No, I've been chugging too much, Doctor. Belch. <laughs> but he was—he was wearing—he was wearing, uh, he was wearing a, a Bucks jersey. Uh, a Mike and I Evans thought, jersey. I was right? like, man, I know he's—he's he's making a ton of money at baseball. He's gonna 300 million, whatever's coming his way. Yeah. But w isn't it intriguing to think what that guy could do on a, on a football field? Oh, I know. Well, yeah, you look at him on a baseball field, and it, he does look out of place because he's so. Large and he's as fast as a gazelle. You know, he's got a cannon for an arm, and he's just a, one of those freakish athletes. He was wearing a Mike Evans jersey. He could be a good wide receiver. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, tight end to me. Yeah, he he, the, he would be the perfect tight end. Yeah, I mean, he's he's big and strong, and I I don't know if he's as fast as a gazelle. He might not be. I don't know how fast a gazelle is. To be perfectly well, honest, well, let's find out.
bring in the live gazelle, Brian. Oh, it's not here. It's not here yet. Okay, that we'll just have tease. to save that yes. for another okay. show. That was the upset he was talking about. Um, so it kind of made me think, like, you know, in, in other sports, we always talk about guys that, well, man, what a, it's it's typically basketball players, right? Like, well, you we, know, LeBron we, James, like, yeah. could he have played football? I know that he thinks that he could have played football. And there's probably little doubt that he, he would did be in high school, right? Or at least I, I maybe believe so. Freshman. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, the guy's—he's obviously built. He's huge. He could catch a lot of passes. He'd win every you know high fade in the back corner of the end zone. So, yeah. but you know, I think of a guy like Giannis. You know, the Greek oh, freak. I think he would—he would be one of those guys that's that on I would my put list. in the mix. Yeah. Uh, think about that wingspan of his. He's got a seven-foot, three-inch wingspan. You put him at wide receiver, Damn. and he can run like a gazelle. I've timed him. Uh, it'd be a great wide Well, receiver. you know, Mike Evans has probably the best catch radius in the NFL. I would say that Giannis would have him beat by probably a good uh, foot. Or do you just put him into block field goals? I mean, he could swat those down all day on yeah. special teams. You have to be able to jump over the the center or the snapper. He on could the field. do that. Yeah. I like this. He's with the Bucks now, but he could play for the Bucks. Oh, just take away the K. Yeah, just take away the yeah, K and like add that. a Giannis and stir. Mike, what? Mike Trout? Mike, oh, okay. I think Mike Trout, I mean, he's a big Eagles fan. He is. Uh, I could see him as a linebacker. He's a man. bruiser. Yeah. yeah. He's kind of beat up, though. Kind of injury prone, but yeah. Well, he's yeah. a, he could, he could knock some heads for sure. I mean, he can, he, yeah, big hitter. What Who are, you got? Uh, hockey players are tough guys, right? Yeah. And they're large. Of course. And we have one in Tampa, in Tampa Bay, Andre Vasilevsky. What, he's got that length. What about he's, you put him in on, short yardage situations <laughs> but he has to wear his hockey pads and he gets to spread out that's a run stuffer there yeah. no one's getting around that well i mean i think the, the i don't know about i mean he's good on slick services i mean and he's very nimble i mean yeah. the, obviously those legs can kick out into full split so i just want to see the i mean, hockey I, pads I mean and maybe as a first baseman i think maybe vassy is a first baseman got a great glove oh i thought uh, we had to go to football that's why oh, i put okay, him on the defensive okay, okay. line all right um you know i think pat maroon would be one of those guys too yeah you know he's he's as tough as they come and uh he, he seems like a guy that would mix it up on the football yeah field. what about steph curry point guard he could be a quarterback possibly yeah yeah, yeah. i mean look distributor he's a great i think of like a pitcher like a Give me like a Justin Verlander, you yeah. know, and not not JV now, uh, but like when he was a little bit younger, uh, you know, he's got a cannon. A Clayton he's going to be one of those pocket guys, though, standing back there and launching. Hey, Steph Curry's going to be your mobile, you know, he's going to move around in the pocket. Yeah. Jose Altuve, maybe a, a jockey. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's that's a that's could be a great jockey. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, you know, there's a lot of different mixes, but anyway, it just kind of got the juices flowing a little bit when I saw. Uh, Aaron Judge wearing a Bucks jersey. I got you excited. You yeah. thought the Rays were about to spend some money, huh? No, yeah. the Rays did have a big signing, right? A big offseason acquisition. The Rays yeah, spent yeah. Some money Zach on. Efron. No, <laughs> Zach Eflin. Zach oh. Eflin. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Speaking of crossovers, great actor and, uh, you know, and he, great, he's a great, phenomenal pitcher. Great pitcher. As well. yeah. yeah. We nailed that one. Chris, let's uh, class up the joint. What do you say? We welcome in a masher, 493 career home runs, over 19 seasons in the bigs, six different teams, including his hometown Rays, the newest member of the Baseball Hall of Fame, Fred McGriff. Yeah, there he is. Hey, oh. and he's got the jersey on oh, and everything. Fred, welcome I was on just in. Just saying. Oh, oh man. And, and, and it's fitting. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, it's beautiful. Is it? Do they take your measurement first before you slide that thing on? No, <laughs> no. they just guessed. Okay. <laughs> no, you, no, you've no, kept no. your. They, you, just, you, they you, just got the hat size right. You know? Oh well, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's important too. There yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you look official <laughs> on the team for sure. <laughs> so uh, take me through the emotion. Uh, what's it like? Is it relief? Is it uh, about time? Is it uh, dancing in the living room? What I mean, what what were the emotions when you first got the news? Well, uh, a little relief because the thing about it is um, a month or so when they announced uh, who's on the ballot and so forth. So now the whole time and they say, yeah, the voting is going to take Dece- take place December 4th. So now from when they announced the uh, players on the ballot to the actual day, now you're thinking this mm. and that. You're playing out a little different scenarios. Is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? Then you find out um, who's on the committee. And I'm like, okay, do I know this guy? Did I face this guy? Did I hit a home run against this <laughs> right, guy? Right. You know, the different, playing out in different scenarios. And then yesterday uh, was a tough one because now you're like, okay, it's 24 hours before um, the extra vote is going to come out. 
and they had told me like, yeah, Fred, if you make it, they're going to give you a call 7.30 or so, 7.15, they're going to give you a call and everything. And so now you're sitting there and you're looking at your watch. Like, <laughs> right. Okay, it's 7.20. Uh oh. Uh oh. So yeah. when you finally, when, it, when, it, when your phone finally rings, you're like, yes. Yeah. You know? That's it. I had to feel like such a rush of relief for you. And you mentioned the method in which you were uh, selected to the Hall of Fame here. This is the first year they've used this contemporary baseball era committee. You know, it's always been the Baseball Writers Association of America. You were on their ballot for 10 years in a row. You need 75% of their votes to get in. You topped out at 69% uh, three years ago in 2019. So, But they developed this committee, which is comprised, as you mentioned, of players, some, some former GMs. You referenced, uh, hey, is there anyone on this committee that I knew? And yes, there is a gentleman there named Greg Maddox. But you got the support of all 16 members of the committee. Was that, in a way, more rewarding than getting selected? Selected by a bunch of baseball writers? Uh, without a doubt, it's unanimous. Because the thing about um, when I tell people that players, they see you play, they know your game. And for them to acknowledge that, hey, you were a special player, it, it means a lot. I mean, because they they actually, they, they played against you on the field or they, or they pitched against you. And so they know what type of player you were. Well, other times, sometimes the writers hit or they, they may miss it. A little bit because they're not actually on the field and so it's very special and um to get be unanimous is uh it's a beautiful thing and, and i laugh i was laughing yesterday because now um it's just me right so now uh, when they when they have the uh other uh ballot next month what what happens if nobody uh don't get selected right it's a class so now, of one it's a, it's a class of one right, 2023 exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so in July, it'll be all me, all climbed up. Man. So, you know, you mentioned teammates and Maddox, and but, you know, you, you got a lot of former teammates that are in the hall, you know, between Glavin and Maddox and Smoltz and, and Chipper and uh, all these guys. What were the conversations like over the years when it would come back around? Would you talk to these guys about it? Would they encourage you? I mean, how, how was that relationship every time Hall of Fame voting came around? Uh, not really too much because now we we live all different parts of the country. Uh, I know Chipper was living in Texas for a while. Now he's back in Atlanta. And I won't say Maddox is out in uh, Vegas and Smoltz is uh, in Atlanta. But Smoltz, Smoltz does so much on TV that uh, he's all over the place. And I'm down um, in Tampa. So usually um, you really don't say too much, talk, talk to, to the guys about it too much. But usually if you're at a golf tournament that where those guys are at, but we we won't really talk about uh, the Hall of Fame. It's more like what's going on, how's your family, and so forth. But during the course of the year, uh, we run across players, and they're like, "Man, Fred, you know your numbers, man. You're a good player, man. You know I don't know what's keeping you out, and so forth." So that's when um, it gets a little tough. You mentioned residing in uh, in the great city of Tampa, and I want to I want to take it back to where that Hall of Fame career really got started, uh, playing. Uh, here in our neck of the woods um, and and it kind of goes back to this story of you, you played for Jefferson High School but I believe it was your sophomore year you did not make the team how I mean it's crazy sure. to even think about it that. must have been a good team <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> well honestly at the time they had a senior first baseman his name was uh, Izzy Segura and so I'm telling myself like Fred there's no way you're gonna make this team um, they got a senior first baseman so I tried out for the outfield and I had never played the outfield before and so I tried out for the outfield and um, a ball got past me and went to the fence and so forth mm. during tryouts and everything. But, <laughs> but usually the coach, Pop Cuesta, he wouldn't tell you face-to-face -face if you made a team or not. So it was always like, okay, a three-day of trials. And it's like, okay, like y'all leave and go home. And later I'll post whoever makes the team on the, um, the, the locker room door. Sure. So – so that would happen. You would you would leave and go home, and then later that evening you would come back, and if your name is on that lineup, then you made a team, and if not, you didn't make it. And so, uh, yeah, mean, was that cut. like a catalyst for you? Like, did that do something in you that like that kind of changed the trajectory of your baseball um, career? Without a doubt, because you know, in the end, you tell yourself, okay, I'm gonna prove to him uh, that I can play. So I went back to my little league uh, program, West Tampa Little League, and uh, I played there the rest of the year. And then I tried out for uh, Jefferson's team uh, next year also. 
you know, so now they give they did give Pop Quest a tough time all the time. They're like, dude, you cut Fred McGriff. <laughs> right. Now they really hey, now they're gonna really mess with him. Like, hey, dude, you cut a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But you you guys I mean you you grew up in what was you know, Tampa's been a, a baseball hotbed for a long time, but well, you were no. not heavily scouted until you hit a home run off some guy that pitched for Hillsboro. Uh, I believe it was he was a doctor of sorts, maybe a PhD. Yeah, Doc Gooden. Take me through that. Was that the moment where you kind of got on the radar for all these scouts that were out there looking for Dwight, and, and here comes Fred? Yeah. Well, you know, I got cut my 10th grade year, and so my first year really playing high school ball was my 11th grade, grade, 11th grade year, so I was more of a – considered a late, late bloomer in that sense. But if you recall, like you're saying, Tampa has just been a hotbed for, for players. But Hillsborough High School, um, before before all that, you have Belmont High's Little League. Belmont High's Little League, yeah. they should right um, have a movie about Belmont High's Little League because mm. the players that have come from that area, the Gary Sheffields and Dwight Goods and so forth, were just awesome players. I'm just naming two guys, but the, the those, those kids – those players were so good uh, from Belmont High League, and then they they would all go to Hillsborough High School, and so the late Billy Reed was the the head coach, and so they we will Jefferson will go eighteen and two, and we'll lose every year to uh, the Hillsborough. But that staff with Dwight Gooden and uh, Vance Lovelace, who was a first round draft pick, mm-hmm. also um, was outstanding. I tell people to this day that everybody talks about Randy Johnson, but Vance Lovelace had threw strikes they would they would you know he he would have probably blown randy johnson away wow. vance lovelace six five six six uh like i said <laughs> six, six six five six six brother just throwing gas you know he was a he was like the second pick in the uh country uh back in 1981 from hillsborough high school wow. and so that staff they had uh was unbelievable and so facing dwight uh, in high school uh was awesome they it just made me a better player and then I started playing in the minor leagues, and Dwight was striking out 300 guys a year in the minors, and then Dwight makes it up to the big leagues. And so I'm saying to myself, man, I played against him uh, in high school. So if he made it to the big leagues, I, I can make it. That's awesome. Yeah. And so just, yeah, well, well, it was he, awesome. He should not feel bad for you hitting a home run off of him because you went on to hit 493 in your career. Uh, and you did it over a span of 19 years. You were prolific in many different eras. But I want to talk to you about some of the names that have been on the Hall of Fame ballot with you over these past few years are names like Albert Bell, Rafael Palmero, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, guys whose careers have been tied to and tainted by what's become known as the steroid era, really uh, mid-90s to late 90s and early 2000 when you were playing very well into your prime was in a in a clubhouse was it pretty out in the open what some of these guys were doing to get an advantage and you as a slugger when your numbers are being compared to some of these did you feel pressure at any time to also use any kind of performance enhancing substance uh no because my problem was just trying to make contact because <laughs> because <laughs> if i could make contact with the ball i was going to hit my doubles and home runs and so forth it was never an issue uh Power was never the issue. It was just uh, making contact. But over here, it's like, I'll tell, I'll tell everybody, just like your job and so forth, if somebody's doing drugs and so forth, you're not going to know about it unless you're doing drugs with them or whatever. You, you don't know. Well, no, 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 but now that you, you do know it, or when it comes out later and you do know it, did you did that bother you? Did you um, Did that upset you that you know you were doing things the right way and these guys were – you know, cutting corners allegedly in some cases to to get ahead and to break records. And you won two um, in National League and American League, led the league in home runs with 35 and 36, and and that was a lot of home runs back then. Then guys come along and are blowing you know past 50 with ease, including guys that had never hit more than you know 30 some odd home runs. So so did that bother you that these guys are getting an edge and possibly you know getting huger contracts, maybe getting in the Hall of Fame? Well, I was I was comfortable, as you say, I was comfortable in my skin, and I was making um, a great living, um, making good money, and so forth. And so, uh, no, it, it didn't bother me. I, I I was, you know, I knew I I could play the game, and I had power, and I was hitting my home runs, and um, so it was all good. Because a lot of times it's just all assumptions. You 
you think this guy's doing that, that doing that, but you're you're not sure. And so you just went out about your business and uh played the game. Well, you've always had a reputation as being one of the good guys in the game, and it's easy to see in the in the few minutes that we've been able to spend with you. But I got one more question for you. Are you going into right, the hall that? as a ray? Hey, hey, at this moment right now, <laughs> sure, we're going we're gonna to have some discussion. We'll see. We'll just take it from there, but stay tuned. Yeah, we will, for sure. The great Fred <laughs> yeah, McGriff, Hall you. of Famer. The, the crime dog right. from Very Tampa. Good. Thank you, Fred. Congratulations. Thank you. Fred. Right. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Man, his uh, his people were obviously Fred had some other obligations. <laughs> his people were needing to get him yes. away to other things. Well, but he was he was he's kind a of man him. in demand. I mean, you don't slip that jersey on and then have people not waiting on you. I didn't so. get him. To, didn't get to ask the most important question though, which was: well, Has he ever put on a trench coat and walked around advising <laughs> people to take a bite out of crime? Well, we'll never know on that question either. I think once we got to the end, once uh, the gentleman emerged in the background, I think that it, we, you know, our time was over. What do you think he meant by tapping his watch in the background? <laughs> How did you read that? <laughs> I think it was. Uh, Oh, check out this new uh, uh, Apple Watch. This, you know. Yeah, Rolex. Very oh. good. Well, you know, the the time that he gave us was was great. And was. so uh, he is one of the guys that represents our community very well. And it's a, it's a wonderful honor, uh, the honor of a lifetime to go into Cooperstown. It's our first Hall of Famer we've interviewed on the Nod Pod, I believe. Did, uh, no, in no? baseball. Did I miss in one? In baseball, yeah. <laughs> you, I think you, you've, you've spaced out for a couple of you, episodes. Well, you had but, several secret interviews without that's me. That's true, the, yeah. <laughs> That's where I get my Hall of Famers, <laughs> in the secret ones. Well, I know uh, all our Gator fans here in the Tampa Bay area, Chris, are excited for the big game next week in our own backyard for the Tampa tip-off. It is Florida, Ohio, and joining us now on the program, the new head coach of the Florida Gators, Todd Golden. And Todd, I say I say new, but uh, you were hired nine months ago, so not quite new, <laughs> but just a month into your first season here up in Gainesville. Uh, and you faced some challenging non-conference teams to this point. What have you learned about your squad? Yeah, we're uh, we're definitely a work in progress. You know, I think uh, we, we've had some really good moments and uh, had some not so good moments so far. But overall, uh, pleased with the progress. Thought we, you know, played some really good ball last week. And uh, you know, heading into the last couple of games here in our non-conference, you know, we have some more opportunities uh, to see if we can knock off some teams here before getting into SEC play. Well, it's always nice to kick things off on the right note when it comes to the rivalry game. You guys went into Tallahassee last month and picked up the first win up in Tallahassee in, I believe, a, a decade. What was your impression of the first installment of the Gators-Knowles matchup? Yeah, it was awesome to be a part of it. Obviously, the first half didn't go as as we would have hoped. You know, they had a nice little 17-point lead on us at halftime, but I was really pleased with the uh, kind of the resilient nature of our group in the second half got off to a great start outscored them by 26 in the second half and uh as you mentioned it's been tricky for uh the gators to get a win up there in tallahassee and and so for us to be able to go up there in a hostile environment you know with a, a huge deficit at halftime and be able to come back uh you know thought it thought it showed some good grit from our group and obviously as you mentioned in a rivalry game any chance we can get a win uh we'll definitely take it I mean, when you came in, you inherited the big man, Colin Castleton, and a staple for your team, but you also had to bring in some new guys and kind of get this thing together on the fly, as is, as is uh, you know, typical when you get transfer guys. Uh, but, you know, your impressions of, of Kyle Lofton and, and Alex Fudge and Will Richard and, and their ability to kind of jump in and, and get the system going on the fly. Yeah, well, you know, and Colin is really part of that group, too, to be honest, because when we first got here, we, you know, we weren't sure he was going to come back. He was mm -hmm. kind of evaluating his professional options and uh, kind of seeing what was the best route for him. And so we thought it was a huge win just to get him back and to be a part of this in, in year one and, and help us uh, get this thing going in the right direction. And, and speaking about the transfer specifically, uh, you know, Will has been someone who's, you know, been been fantastic since he's arrived. Uh, a great young man, obviously playing at a really high level. Uh, but every every one of those guys, whether it's Kyle, Trey, or Alex Fudge, uh, you know, they've all had their moments where they've been really, really helpful uh, to help us win games, uh, help us kind of get this thing going in the right direction. And you think of Will, uh, Trey, and, and Alex Fudge, you know, those guys are pretty young. You know, a couple of them only played one year before they got here. Trey had played two. Uh, but guys that, you know, we hope will continue to grow and get better within our program. But, uh, you know, Trey's had three 20-point games already. Uh, Will's shooting at an insanely high efficiency rate. And uh, Alex Fudge is really coming on. He's played his best basketball lately. So I'm hopeful he will continue to go uh, as well. 
Todd, uh, we live and work, even though we hope this podcast is being consumed all over this fine nation by now, but we do live and work in an area of the country where we are so consumed by college football up to this point in the calendar, even hardcore Florida Gator basketball fans may just now be tuning in and trying to figure out, okay, what do we have this season? Who is this Todd Golden, this this new, this young, energetic new coach we brought in? Uh, one thing they should know is that you're certainly no stranger to the SEC, having been on Bruce Pearl's staff at Auburn. How did going back to the West Coast Conference, where you played college basketball, how did go, going back to that such a strong mid-major program there at the University of San Francisco, competing in that competitive conference, how did it set you up for coming here and bringing a new energy to the Florida Gator basketball program? Yeah, you know, being being in the West Coast Conference, uh, you know, obviously a mid-major league, but at the top of that league, uh, especially the past two years, it was it was pretty dang good. You know, you had Gonzaga, who was a top five program, uh, you know, has played for two national championships in the past, you know, eight years. BYU is perennially a top 25 club, uh, have a lot of success. And actually my alma mater where I played St. Mary's, uh, you know, continuously gets to the tournament from an at-large bid. And, and so now, you know, in a 10-team league, when you got three teams like that, uh, along with Santa Clara, who, you know, had a lottery pick last year, uh, there's some really good basketball at the top. And then you insert San Francisco. Uh, for us to be a top 25 program last year, I think we finished 22nd in the net or something along those lines. Uh, you know, we had to do it with a lack of resources. We had to, you know, really try to find incremental advantages uh, where we could get the players and, and have the schedule that we needed to compete at that level. And so now coming back to the SEC, uh, obviously learning a lot from Bruce and, and seeing how he elevated that program at Auburn in a short period of time, uh, just coming here to Florida. And, you know, we have some good talent. We have to continue to build that. Um, but we have the resources needed to compete at this level as well, which is really encouraging for me being the head coach. You know, we're going to have to go into rut. We're going to have to go beat Alabama, Tennessee. Uh, and to have the same, you know, similar resources to them gives us confidence as a staff and as a program that over time we'll be able to compete with those guys. You mentioned your time in at St. Mary's, and that's where you went to school. And you uh, did you when you left, you were the all-time field goal percentage leader. Is this correct? Free throw percentage. Okay, that, okay. Free, free throw, throw percentage. percentage, and then you were you yeah. were taught by Matthew uh, Delavadova. Did you have strong words for him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it was one of those things where once, especially once, you know, he kind of carved out his NBA career, and after winning the championship with Cleveland, I can't remember what year it was, but uh, right after that, he signed like a four-year, forty million dollar deal, and and that kind of was like, all right, if this guy <laughs> was the one that kind of took the throne for me, I, I'm more than happy and and more than. Uh, willing to kind of pass it off to him uh, but you know Randy Bennett he's always done a really good job of kind of finding those undervalued guys whether it be Patty Mills you know who's still playing in the yeah. NBA he was my backcourt mate my senior year Del Vadova back in the NBA with the Kings now you got Jock Landale who uh, you know was a great player for them is now a really good player on the Suns uh, Tommy Cousy their point guard last year is playing with the Spurs you know they, there's it's a really small program up in the hill there in Moraga you know only 2,700 kids undergrad uh, but they produce NBA players and they've been consistently really, really good since, you know, I was there in the early 2000s. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that just being a part of that program and, and understanding how to win with less is uh, something that we hope to, you know, bring here in terms of that spirit and mentality. Yeah, Moraga, California, beautiful part of the country. That's what right I hear. It's very nice visit there. Hey, yeah. let's, uh, let's talk about free throws, the sexiest part of the game probably. <laughs> no, I, but it, yeah. it's not, but it's one of the most important, and it frustrates basketball fans to no end when you see a talented team that just cannot hit from the stripe. So what do you do, yeah. given, given your background, when you have a player where it's just not connecting from the free throw line, but you got to have them in there in those clutch moments, what do you do with them when you're – helping them overcome whatever it is that's not clicking when they're shooting free throws. It's, it's one of the trickiest things, you know, in terms of working with guys and in, in terms of getting them to be comfortable. I, I think that's, you know, kind of the, the most important part of it, but there's really only so many things you can do to simulate that game experience or that game moment, because that pressure and, and that human nature element is really, really hard, um, you know, to, to duplicate or replicate in the form of practice. So, it's really about reps, but trying to find ways to make guys uncomfortable in practice and, and kind of get through those moments. Uh, knock on wood, we've been a good free throw shooting team this year. I think, you know, we're 74, 75%, somewhere along those lines. Colin has improved from the line this year. And uh, a big part of it also is making sure the right guys are getting fouled, you know, yeah. in, in big key moments down the stretch. You want to make sure the ball's in the hands of the guys that are comfortable up there, uh, you know, and so 
for this team specifically, it hasn't been a big issue, but it's always something that's on the back of our minds to make sure uh, that we're putting our guys in the right position to be successful. And then in those moments uh, where the game's on the line, just making sure the right guys have the ball in their hands. When you graduated, Todd, you did not go immediately into coaching. Did you? Was that something that you just kind of backed into? Did you know that you wanted to, to coach basketball? How did that work out? Yeah, you know, I played two years uh, in Israel professionally after, you know, graduating from St. Mary's. And, and so I was over there, you know, living in Haifa, Israel for two mm -hmm. years. And uh, basically when I finished up my second year, you know, I kind of felt pretty good about my quote unquote pro career going from a guy that walked on to playing a couple years, getting paid. And uh, honestly, I just wanted to kind of live a normal life for a little bit. And, uh, you know, coaching is a profession that dominates your time and is, uh, you know, really has to kind of be put first. So I wanted to see what else was out there and, and sold advertising and did marketing for a couple of years. Uh, but it really just wasn't motivating me. It wasn't something that I was super happy uh, doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and when I did get back, you know, into basketball, into coaching with Kyle Smith at Columbia, uh, I felt really comfortable and, and confident that I made the right decision really just after a couple weeks. Well, let's combine your, your marketing background and this upcoming game in Tampa. Uh, give us the sales pitch for Ohio, Florida, uh, meeting in Tampa at Amelie Arena coming up next Wednesday uh, in the Tampa tip-off. Yeah, Ohio, obviously a really good program. You know, one uh, perennially really great mid-major. They won 25 games last year. I think two years ago, uh, you know, in the COVID-shortened season, they beat Virginia in the first round of the NCAA tournament. You know, Coach Bowles has always done a really good job of uh, putting together a really strong team. Uh, this is a tough game for us. You know, this is a, a team that comes in without a lot of, you know, quote-unquote fanfare, but within our profession and within college basketball, everybody knows that it's a really, really good program. Uh, and one that's going to be hard to prepare for and, and a game that's going to be really challenging for us and could be a great, you know, preparation for, uh, you know, a first round NCAA tournament game or, or something where you're not super familiar with the opponent, but you get them on a neutral floor and uh, anything can happen. So it, it's going to be a really good game. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity for people in, in Tampa to come out and see us firsthand and, and see what the Gators have to offer this year. A lot of Gator fans here in the Bay Area looking forward to it. Hey, before you go, I got to ask, maybe it's just the Gator emblem on your chest now, but do, do people tell you you bear a resemblance to Billy Donovan, who, who was hired <laughs> at Florida when he was 30? Like, I got to think it, that was maybe part of the allure here. <laughs> I, I'll take it no matter what, you know, and if I can have, you know, a, a fraction of the success that coach D had while he was here, you know, I think people will be pretty happy with me as well. So, uh, you know, being a little younger, you know, the darker hair, I think is something that uh, resonates uh, with people. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's obviously a great guy to be compared to and uh, big shoes to fill. That's for sure. Great. Well, it's the start of what we hope will be a very successful run up in Gainesville and uh, an opportunity for fans here in the Bay Area to come check you guys out in person Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com or EmilyArena.com. Coach Todd Golden of your Florida Gators, thanks for joining us. I appreciate the time. Thank you, Todd. Yeah, you guys got it. Appreciate you guys, and uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Very good. Thank you so much. Yeah, take care. Exciting times up north uh, as they start to, you know, start a, a new path coming off of the Mike White era and Todd Golden, an up and comer in this uh, profession. Obviously, did great things out west at University of San Francisco and uh, looking to carry those over here. His hair was dark. I was not. Uh, I had not uh, looked at him until today, but it was. <laughs> I couldn't help the Donovan resemblance there. <laughs> Well, I remember what it was like to have a head full of dark hair. Oh, those were the still, days. You're still doing okay. You, well, we the might, gray is encroaching a little bit on the sides. We might but, start, yeah. start dying here in a minute. We'll yeah. see. You didn't even notice that I'm wearing a different shirt than I wore in the Fred McGriff interview. <laughs> I didn't. Did you sneak behind the, the curtain back there and change? That's what I'm doing, oh, yes, right. when you're so distracted interviewing guests. Well, you know, between uh, the Golden Boy and the Crime Dog, it feels like an episode of like a WWE SmackDown. Golden That's what Boy and Crime Dog, yeah, it has yeah, been. We've had some good guests. Let's bring in uh, Brian King. Um, We've been all over the map, BK. I mean, we started by talking college football and, and Coach Prime and all those transfers and then uh, baseball, and we got a little basketball. So how are you going to close out the program? This is the big send-off. This is where you come through on that, that heavyweight tease that you laid out at the beginning of the show. Yeah, no pressure. Yeah, no pressure at all. Uh, how about – Oh, he's got a sheet. Uh -oh. Uh, I know. It's, uh... he's... <laughs> he's the only person that still uses paper. <laughs> Most people would just use that computer that well, he's I standing in front of. Turn like that. And <laughs> no, no. See my best no, 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 no. That's not a real computer, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I just <laughs> gave it to it's Brian. All, it's all cardboard. <laughs> um, huge upset I was talking about earlier yes. in, in the sporting world this weekend. 
competitive eating contest. Ah! The first person you think of when you think of when you hear who do who is it? Oh, it's Joey Chestnut. Yeah, of course, uh, Chestnut. Yeah. yeah. Eater X. Eater. He was at a St. Elmo's shrimp cocktail eating contest in Indianapolis. Scott's pretty familiar with that. I love St. Elmo's. Okay. Whenever I go to Indianapolis, and it's not often, but that is a must. So it's a great steakhouse. All right. But it's known for its shrimp cocktail. Incredible. Uh, It's a giant jump. Can I just go a little bit on how delectable it is? Go ahead. Please, I'm starving. So giant, you know, obviously jumbo shrimps. Mm -hmm. And giant jumbo shrimps are bigger than just jumbo shrimps. Is shrimps the plural of shrimps? Scrimps, I believe. (laughs) Uh, and then, the, the, but their cocktail sauce is like, ah, uh, man, it'll like clear you out. If okay. you have any sinus issues, it, they the chunks of horseradish oh, in there. Ooh. Oh, it's it's so good. Uh, but yeah, but so I'm quite familiar. Well, that would be the horseradish would be problematic. In an I have a feeling contest. I'm never going to go and eat this again after this segment. But go ahead. So so he's competing in the well, trip. Yeah, cocktail. and he's the eight-time defending champ in this thing. Just about oh. in every contest he's in, he's the defending. So he's champ. not just a hot dog guy. He's not a no. one-trick pony. Oh, he's no. got a lot of uh, records there. Uh, Joey Chestnut. He's he in eight minutes pounded out which I think is impressive, 10 pounds and 9 ounces of shrimp cocktail. Okay. That sauce, that's the shrimp itself. Oh, 10 and pounds? What does that do to your inside? <laughs> well, it's... I mean, yeah. That's... But, oh, my goodness. But, that's but he plus. lost. He lost. Wow. He, he actually how, came in fourth. How many... He came in fourth? Yeah. yeah you know, came that in, is an upset. Uh, th- this clearly, I mean, are we witnessing Joey on the on the backside of his career? I'm thinking so. Is he's, the, is he's this out to Joe Namath with the Rams, like he's wobbling around out there? It could be, or it could just be that, like, he's he only gets up for, you know, the, the big, big ones. The big ones, the Nathan's you know? hot It's dog. like the ones yeah. that are, yeah, it's, it's yeah. St. Elmo's, you know, shrimp cocktail eating contest. But I can, you you can. let me know on 4th of July, he's ready to go. Yeah. Okay. Like this, That's this guy, he time. steps up, yeah, that mustard belt. And didn't he have an injury heading into this contest? He, well, he said that the reason he didn't eat as much, he, he lost by like six pounds, so it wasn't like he lost by a shrimp or two. He lost by <laughs> six pounds. How much How he much does one shrimp weigh? I, well, I don't know. How well, you tell, you've been to St. Yeah. Elmo's. Yeah. I mean, they're large. Again, giant jumbos. Okay, they're, so they're, they're a pound very, each. Nah, I mean, no, yeah, okay. probably not. But uh, Chestnut said that the reason he didn't eat as much is because he had a leg injury. Now, <laughs> I'm not well, sure how. Is this a standing event? The leg. Yeah, he was standing, so I guess you would he, think that we could get a stool in there for the champ. Don't right? underestimate the importance of a leg when it's an eating competition. Well, you know, they try to force it down. All the food is like, you know, every open area in your body is, you know, they're going to. It's true. Now, was, so maybe I do have a drinking leg all. and a food leg. Like the, <laughs> the liquid goes into one leg, the solids go into another. <laughs> The drinking leg is the one that gets a little wobbly at the it's end of the night. It's very oh, swollen yeah, today. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. That, so that is was, a pretty big upset. Yeah. Well, I was thinking of just all these records. So 16 pounds of shrimp, that's a lot. So I was wondering, what is the record for various foods, mm. you know, out there mm. most? Because and like I'm telling you, think. looking at all these, every single food that's out there, there's some world-eating record for it. Mm. Yeah. Anything. Talking cow's tongue, there's a record for it. Any, just gross stuff. Cow's tongue. Yeah, so I'm going to shoot you guys off with a handful of these foods. Set the over/under of how much you think they, you know, okay, is the good. record, and uh, you tell me what it is. We're going to okay, start off I'll with like spam. Like how a many, whole can. How many pounds of spam can pounds. you eat in seven minutes? Over/under seven. Seven pounds. Okay. Well, spam is coated in a gelatinous goo, so that <laughs> will, of course, be an easy. It's like a, a lubrication. Uh, for yeah. consuming. I, I, growing up in Alabama, I ate quite a bit of it, um, but never seven pounds. In se- I would, Over the course of your life, you've clearly eaten seven I've pounds got my spam leg yeah. and my drinking <laughs> leg. Uh. Uh, I'm going to say, um, I mean, it's pretty dense. So I'm going to, wait, what did you, did you give the over-under? Yeah, over-under seven, seven pounds. pounds. Yeah. Oh, it's o- yeah, over. It's Easy. over. Yeah. Easy over. Over, wow. I'm going to go under. Under? Because it is dense. Record was set in uh, October 2021. Vintage year. 9.7 pounds yeah, of baby. spam. Oh, that's a whole baby. 9.7 <laughs> pounds of spam. Hey, fried spam. I'm still. Oh, I know. I'm with it. Is there another way to eat it? No. With mustard on it? The way I these guys, there's no way to. This is fried. They're just eating that out of food. the can. Yeah. The guy that set the record was also the guy that beat Joey Chestnut. Oh, St. Oh, well, so, this yeah. guy should. We should say his name well, yeah, since well, he has yeah, two records. Jess, Jeffrey Esper. Jeffrey oh. Esper. Esper, yeah. Does he have yeah. a nickname? Uh, no nickname giving. He's not Jaws. That's, I mean. But he's, uh, 
Can you give him a nickname on the spot there, Kato? Uh, shrimp leg. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Jeffrey Shrimp Leg Esper. It's all his shrimp in a leg. I don't know. Okay, give us another one. Here's Got one. It's close to Scott. Apple pie. All right. Oh. How many pies? How or many pounds of, pounds of pie can you eat in eight minutes? Well, Scott doesn't like apple pie, so he'll have a poor. Do you, have an o- do you have an over under? Or are you over just under asking? ten pounds in eight minutes? I mean, how do you not just take the over with all of these? I, I'm going to say, I mean, a, a, an apple pie probably weighs about two or three pounds, right? We're standard size, like eight or ten inch, I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah these aren't little uh, personal pocket pies. Now, are you eating the ten as well? I think that yeah. should be part of the competition. Or are you putting ice cream on the whole pie, as <laughs> yeah, I would do. That'll yeah. weigh it down. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say over. Yeah, I think the winner is it, probably somewhere north of 16 to 17 pounds. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna. I'm sticking with Team Under. There's got to be an under in here. Uh, that is over. <laughs> yep. Yep. Two. Two. No. <laughs> Joey Chestnut. Don't ever take that. This is Joey Chestnut. Okay. Hey, yeah, he pounded 13 pounds of pie. See, he's Back Americana. Hot dogs and apple pie. That's yeah. you know. I would hate to be his. Plumber. We should have uh, uh, competitive eating should be an Olympic sport. I'm pretty sure it should be. Yeah. If yeah. it's not already. You're pretty sure it should be. <laughs> yes, it should be. Go USA. All right. Okay, I got some in Cato's wheelhouse here. Oh, under. Uh, butter. Oh. <laughs> He's a big butter guy. I once <laughs> drank a bowl of butter in college for five dollars. Okay. I was I was I'll not pay ri- you six to do it right here I, on the podcast. I know. I was more desperate for money then. Yeah. I, I was not right for a few days after that. How many quarter pound sticks of butter can you eat in five minutes? What's the over-under? Over-under, I'll say 10. You'll say or there is one? Well, I'm, I mean, I haven't seen the Vegas line. I don't know okay. if MGM's put out a number, but <laughs> I know what the record is, and I'll just set okay. it at 10. T- so sticks of butter sticks in Sticks of butter, minutes? five minutes. Five. Quarter pounder, quarter pound. Is it of, frozen butter? Is it melted butter? I don't is know. Is it room those. temperature? It, be, it matters. Yeah. Uh, I'm okay. sure it's sticks of butter. I don't Are you a butter out of the fridge guy? You guys keep it out at yeah. your house? Yeah. Oh, really? What are you talking about? I, I ref- People don't you, that put Brian, their butter in the fridge, like, how do you then put it on the toast? How do you put it, it on I will, I will grant you it's difficult. You have to yeah. pre- you have to plan no. and get the butter out like an hour in advance if when you want to eat this it. This is horrible it's, planning. No, you need the butter. That's why they have butter dishes. It sits on the counter. No, so don't put it in the fridge. You don't Unless look. you have, like, the parquet, like the, you know, it's kind of the soft butter. Then that makes I don't, sense. But, but I do have a knife warming drawer. I warm my knife up yeah. before I slip it through the butter. <laughs> and it, you know, All right, I'm going to, uh, again, I'm going to I'm gonna go over 10. I think that, uh, yeah, butter is just No, easy. there's no way this is the over. That would be, that would kill someone. I'm going to say under. Under. Under 10 pounds. It is seven quarter pound yes. sticks. So I it is under. one. Quarter pound sticks? Yeah, so oh. that's that's almost two pounds of butter in five minutes. I've never even seen a quarter pound you stick. You know what that would do to your arteries? Two pounds of butter in I five mean, but minutes? What would any of this, what would 20 pounds of fruit cocktail do? <laughs> or well, know, just 800 like hot dogs, would... <laughs> whatever they, I mean, these people are crazy. But there's no way that they're processing all of this stuff, right? Like, they go, they go in the back and... <laughs> that's the real scene. That's <laughs> no, the that should not. be the, yeah. no. that, that should be the, for subscribers only. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually ill now. I'm so hungry. Right. Do you have any others? I got one up? more. Okay. Or unless you want me to end it. <laughs> How about Part of me wants. baked beans? How many pounds of baked beans can you knock out in two minutes? That is, Over under six. Six pounds. Six pounds of oh baked gosh, beans in beans. two minutes now. Two minutes. And now is there is is there bacon chunks? There's always things and i just heard baked beans okay so i'm sure it's not again i'm gonna it's 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 gotten me to a two-in-one mark at this point i'm gonna take the over i think baked beans i mean that's really dense again goo is a big part of baked beans brown Um, sugar so it's I think that's going down nice and easy. Now it's two minutes. It's it's not the mm. standard oh, eight oh minutes. Oh, good. Brian's speaking to me here. The under. We're going under. Was but it you six know these pounds, the, right? these people when they do this, they don't have like the function that like swallows. They have so a, like, a like just, an open it's gullet. An open, <laughs> that's <laughs> all it is. A portal. I'm they telling you, it's just a, it's, a, it's a transfer portal. It, <laughs> the, <laughs> you don't want to be a part of that transfer. <laughs> let me tell you. Not on the other side. But yeah, I, uh, let me go over. Uh, let me go over. I'm gonna say we're somewhere around eight pounds. Oh my gosh, that's a lot of good. It is ten pounds. Oh, yeah. over. All right. In this two guy, minutes. In two minutes, this guy ate ten pounds of baked beans in 
minute 45. So he had time to spare. Man. This guy is this, this guy's gotta Dang. be dead. Dang. Well, the magical fruit, the more you eat, yeah, yeah. the more you don't want to talk about it anymore. Tell you what, we've learned some things today. I think so, yeah. We're it, better for it. Great, great show, and, uh, and, and as always, Brian, a classy way to send us off. Anytime, guys. Thinking about, I think I'll pass on lunch today. Maybe. All right. Yeah. Very good. Thanks, BK. All right. To watch full-length episodes of this here podcast, head to fox13news.com slash nodpod. QR code on that bottom right-hand corner of the screen. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Get us every week in audio form. And, of course, you can find the show on the social media pages as well. Chris, we learned a lot. Uh, we learned about uh, a lot about consumption, uh, a lot about college basketball, yes. a lot about the crime dog Fred McGriff and his his up and coming starts here in Tampa Bay. Uh, it, it was a comprehensive show. Congratulations a, to the crime dog again, Hall yeah. of Fame 2023. It's always good when class guys get get their their up and comings. Which is why I've entered the transfer portal. Yes, I'm a and, classy guy, and, will, and I'm waiting for you will my soon realize NIL there's nobody. Money. There's nobody waiting on the other side of that portal. Oh, how sad. Very good. All right. That that marks now another episode of the Nod Pout. I believe it is episode 13. This is 13. It's a lucky number. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's the, the station that we work for, Channel 13. So, very good. Until the next time we are on, there are no off days. Let's hit that portal. Yeah. Shrimp cocktail sauce all over your face. Mm. Horseradish. Ooh. Ooh. Gross. Gross.